I know there's a lot of misconceptions and a lot of different thoughts on how the body of Christ interacts and our different roles and, and responsibilities. But that study led me to consider some questions of why do we interact that way. And for me, it was different to kind of do a topical study. You know me, I'm usually hunker down on a couple of verses and, and go for it. But looking at the, the broad picture of the church, it kind of led me to more of a, a topical study to look at different functions. But within that, uh, my mind wandered to some questions of why, would, why do we interact that way? Why does God want us to, to treat other believers in this way and respond different ways um, what does that accomplish, treating each other that way? Which ended up with me considering, why do we do anything as believers? Why, why do we do what we do? Why do we function the way that we function? Who are we living for, was another question I came to. And then, why do we do what we do? And my mind was just going crazy, fluttered with these questions and studying all these different different passages and thoughts and ideas and there was lots of questions there was lots of thoughts there was lots of ideas needless to say we're going to wait on that study of how has God designed believers to interact with each other and I want to answer a few of those questions that that why question why do we do what we do or who who are we serving who are we trying to please uh, with the way that we function and as I was studying for how God has designed believers to interact, I was reading in Galatians, and I came across the who and the why for Paul's ministry. And I just want to take a few moments today here, Galatians 1, verses 10 through 24. Most of our time is actually going to be on, on verse 10. Um, and then, because you might get nervous, we might be 30 minutes in, and I'm only on verse 10, and you might think, when do we get to go home? But the last, the last part of this is really just one page of notes. And don't worry, I only have nine pages of notes today. Um, but let's pray, and then uh, we'll take a look at the details of this passage. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for the way that you've worked in the life of every single person that's here today. I thank you that we can look to you, that we can trust in you with complete confidence. Whatever we're facing, whatever we're going through, whatever those around us are facing, I thank you so much that we can have complete confidence and we can have complete trust in you. I pray that you'll work in our hearts this morning. Please help us to see what you need us to see. Please, Holy Spirit, work in our, our lives and, and challenge us and, and show us and, and reveal uh, truths to us this morning. I pray that you'll just uh, help me to say uh, the right words today, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, I know we studied Galatians about three years ago. We went through the whole book. It only took about a year and a half uh, to cover all of that. Um, but I want to refresh your mind a little bit about what's going on in Galatians here as we get to verse number 10. Uh, let's look at verses 6 through 9. This is Paul speaking here. He's speaking uh, to the churches of Galatia. In verse 6 he says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from Him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, 
But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you than that ye have received, let him be accursed. So what we have here is we have Paul addressing a big mess. The, the church at Galatia had received the gospel, they had received the truth, and then that starts spreading word of them coming to Christ and receiving this, this true gospel from Christ starts to spread and then the Judaizers come in, those who would, would hold to the laws and traditions and, and rabbinical customs. They started coming in and they started telling the people, you need Christ, plus you need to continue all these, these traditions. So they started adding stuff to the gospel of Christ, which made it no longer a gospel of grace. Because it's a gospel of works. And a gospel of works is not a gospel of grace. It's a gospel of works. So Paul is addressing this mess here, and there's a whole bunch of confused people who had re received this gospel from Paul, and then this new gospel comes in, and Paul addresses them and says, hey, any gospel other than the gospel from Christ is no gospel at all. The gospel is good news. It's, it's not good news to be bound by works, to be dead in our trespasses and sins. That is not gospel. That's bad news. So Paul is, is addressing these people here. There's people in the church retreating from the gospel of grace. The gospel Paul has been preaching was being undermined. So think about this. Paul's authority is being questioned. The validity of his message is being questioned. His character, his ministry is under attack. These are tough times this is a rough situation for Paul. Okay, He had delivered this gospel, and then someone says it's not true. And the people start believing that. So that presents Paul looking, as I said, like he has no authority. His ministry is under it. I mean, imagine Paul, the Apostle Paul, being in this situation, facing these things. You could understand if this was rough, a rough and discouraging time for Paul. I mean, think if it was you and you had done so much, you had promoted this gospel and people start to believe, seemingly start to believe, and then they hear something else and they're gone and they're struggling and they doubt you. They, I mean, I have multiple stories throughout the 11 years that I've been in ministry of, of dealing with people like that and it can be discouraging and it can be frustrating. Like, what's going on here? What am I... What am I doing? What am I giving my life for? People don't really believe in Christ. It's just something they want to try is what it seems like at times. And that's the trap that, that you can fall into as you, as you minister to people. But we can see Paul here with the potential of dealing with difficult emotions and having questions of what's going on. Paul was a human being. Everything you stand for, the message you have given your life to declare, is being undermined. This is a big deal. And you know, this is just me thinking possibilities. We know that, that Paul stood fast here, and he, he continued to proclaim the gospel. But I can't help but think that he was 
a man. And he had to have questions and concerns. Um, I don't think it's fair to, to place him up on a pedestal where he never had any, any problems or questions or fears. He even alludes to that, where he had difficulties and he had struggles. But what Paul did understand was that his mission in life was not about pleasing people. It was not about making people like him. His role was not to please people. His role was to serve Christ. His ministry was to function in obedience to Christ and to bring glory to God. Which that bringing glory to God is the ultimate reason that we were created. To bring glory to God. Paul's ministry was about God. It was not about himself and it was not about pleasing people. Where do I get that idea? Look at verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. Then fast forward down to verse 24, and they glorified God in me. He continued to be faithful, continued to proclaim the gospel. And the result was God being glorified. You can see he focused on who called him, who he was going to be faithful to, and his concern was bringing glory to the Father. In the verses that we're going to study today, Paul will remind the people who called him, what he was called to, his faithfulness to the call. Uh, there's so much packed into these, these verses that we're going to look at today. Um, let's, let's look at the text, verse number 10. We just read it. I want to start at the beginning. For do I now persuade men? That word persuade is interesting there. What it means is to seek the approval of. It means to strive, to please, to listen to, to obey, to yield to, or to comply with. Okay, so Paul's question is here is, am I seeking the approval of God? Or am I seeking the approval of men? Think about what Paul had just got done saying. He had just got done saying, telling us about the fact that he's trying to correct this false gospel. So he's going through some stuff here. He's facing some difficult times here. But he gets to the end of that in verse number 10, and he says, Hey, am I looking to please men, or am I looking to please God? Paul was defending the true gospel. He was honoring God. He was completely contrasting the gospel of the Judaizers. He was contrasting a gospel, which was not a gospel of works, with the gospel of grace. He was not earning any approval from that crowd. Remember what he told them? If anybody gives any other gospel, let them be accursed. And then he goes to verse 9 and he repeats himself again. Hey, I know I already said this, guys, but I want it to be clear. Anybody else preaching any other gospel beside the one from Christ, let them be accursed. You think he's serious about what he's saying here? He had just declared a curse on people proclaiming a false gospel. Paul's concern was not to make friends here. He was not seeking the approval of people. Verse 10 goes on to say, Or do I seek to please men? Is my goal, what he's saying, is the purpose of what I'm doing to please others? What's the answer? No. He made that clear. Was his motivation to please others? No. 
But I want us to think about that was not always the case with Paul. We know a lot about Paul. Remember when he used to be Saul? His, his focus then wasn't on what does Christ have for me. Look at verse 10. For do I now persuade men or God, or do I seek to please men? For if I yet pleased men, that word yet is important because yet there is talking about a thing which went on formerly, whereas now a different state of things exists or has begun to exist. What is all that big definition talking about? There was a point in Paul's life where he was seeking the approval of people. But he says, I used to, but not anymore. There was a time when he sought to please his fellow Jews by persecuting Christians and concentrating his effort on favoring traditional Judaism. And we'll get to, in a minute, we'll get to what Paul used to do before he met Christ on that Damascus road. And he was a very zealous guy, but he was passionate about the wrong things. Since Paul's conversion, since Jesus became his Lord, all of that changed, that seeking the approval of men, that seeking the favor of men, that, that raising in the ranks of the religion that he was involved in, that all changed. And verse 10 goes on to say, For if I yet pleased men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So what Paul say, says, if, if, I was not, if I was trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. But Jesus was the Lord of Paul's life. Paul was a faithful servant of the Lord. And Paul had scars to prove it. Flip over Galatians 6, 17. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. What are those marks? Those marks are physical results of persecution. Paul literally had scars on him from persecution. How did he get those scars? Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft. Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. You think Paul had some scars? Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. In sojournings often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which comes upon me daily, the care of all the churches, who is weak, and I am not weak, who is offended, and I burn not. Paul had a lot on his plate to say the least. He went through it. What we read there is not the description of someone who was living their life to seek the approval of people. 
or trying to be liked by everyone. Because there's not too many people here that are liking Paul. But what we do find is we find the scars of a man who was committed to his Lord, who was committed to the ministry that God had laid before him. Paul was a faithful servant of the Lord. And I want to I want to stop there because I'm not saying this to say look how great Paul is. Look how wonderful of a man Paul is. Okay, he did some amazing things, but he was still a man. Okay, he still struggled. I don't want to elevate Paul to a place that he shouldn't be. But what we can see from this stuff, what we can see from his faithfulness is that look at how God how great God is. God is worthy of serving. It, Paul didn't do all this because he was great. Get that clear. His ministry was because there was a God worth serving. Paul recognized if I'm striving to please everybody, I'm unable to be a servant of Christ. And he chose to serve God above all. Paul couldn't please everybody anyways. You ever tried that? I mean, it's hard to please four children at the same time. But when it's all said and done, Paul is standing before God and not people. Had Paul lived to please people, he still would have stood before God. Paul makes it clear in verse 10 that his first priority was yielding to Christ. Paul was focused on serving Christ, and that is why he did what he did. Look at verse number 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. That word certify is I'm making this known clearly. Let me make this clear to you. Have you ever been telling someone something and you pause and especially with kids, listen closely to me. Don't confuse what I'm trying to tell you. Listen clearly to this. So Paul is starting this off. Let me make it clear to you. The gospel that I have preached was not invented by me or any other man. The true gospel is not human in nature or authority. The true gospel is from God. Any gospel other than God's falls short and is not good news at all. Think about the, the other ways, the other gospels, which aren't gospels, that are promoted in the world. Human-based, invented by humans, it's often based on achievements and success. And look what I have done. Look how much I've accomplished. This is why God should let me into heaven. This is why I should have a right standing before God because I did this and this and this. No, the only reason that we can have a right standing before God is through his perfect son, Jesus Christ. So if... We see what happens when humans create gospels. It's human-based. The gospel, the true gospel from God, is not 
human in nature or execution. It's, it's only from God and it's only possible through God. And Paul is making it clear to these people, hey, this true gospel is from God. Any other gospel is not a gospel. Verse 12, For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. So this statement here that Paul gives is, it, is contrary to how the Judaizers operated. They received, I'm going to give you a little history here, they received instruction by rabbinic tradition. They looked to human interpretation as their guide. Their theology, their moral standards, and their ceremonies had some roots in God's word, but they had been diluted and distorted badly by humans. What was received and taught was according to man's interpretation and man's tradition. Some of their traditions were not only not found in Scripture, but they contradicted Scripture. And we can find Jesus calling them out on that through his earthly ministry. And that's a problem. Because these people were promoting this false man-made gospel that would lead people straight to hell when they had the true gospel right in front of them. And the true gospel is only through Christ. Paul says, The gospel I have preached is not from man. The gospel Paul received was from Christ. Verse 13, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. So Paul says, You've, you know my story. You heard how I was in the past. You heard how I operated. You, you know what I did. The, the stories of me and my persecution for the church live on. He says, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion. What's he talking about? He's talking about Judaism, of Jewish faith, of, of worship. Then he says, I persecuted and wasted the church. What's he talking about there? Persecuted and wasted. He is trying to destroy. His goal was to destroy the church, the believers of Christ. He says beyond measure more than anyone else. And we have records of him doing this. Acts chapter 7, we see Stephen being martyred and we see Saul there. Acts chapter 8, we see Paul making havoc in the church at Jerusalem. He's making some noise. He's zealous. He's doing some things. Acts 9, Jerusalem wasn't enough, so Saul got permission to go to Damascus to try to get, find Christians there, and he wanted to haul them back to Jerusalem to imprison them and to beat them. Paul was serious about destroying the church, and he's making sure these people understand this. Verse 14, And profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in mine own nation being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. So few Jews would have matched his passion for his religion and intolerance for the truth of Christ. He says traditions of my fathers, that's talking about the, bottle of, the body of oral teachings about the Old Testament law. It became a huge accumulation of regulations, so big that even the rabbinical scholars couldn't master it in interpretation or behavior. So this, 
big hunk of religion came to such a place where no one could possibly keep it or observe it or be completely obedient to it. So it was a hopeless gospel. And we understand what Christ said. Even the first ten commandments are impossible to keep. They point us, they show us, they direct us that we're sinful, we're incapable of keeping God's law, and we need a Savior. And Paul's saying, hey, I was zealous for this stuff. I was all in, I was head first in this religion that they're trying to get you caught up in. But it was, it was nothing. Because it's not a gospel. The gospel is only found in Christ. Adding works to Christ accomplishes nothing. Paul was in deep, Paul was committed to Judaism. And, and Paul says all this, making it clear how deep, oops, how deep he was in that tradition. No human could have changed his mind. Think of all the Christians he would have been interacting with. Right, pulling them out of their houses. He saw their faith. He saw the way that they stayed true to God, taking them into prison. No human was going to change Paul's mind. But God could, and God did. Verse 15, But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace. See, God had a plan for Paul. From the day he was born, God being all-knowing knew even before that what Paul was going to be. God had a plan. God got a hold of Paul. God called him by his grace. And I want to pause there because thinking of this awful man that Saul was and God's grace reached out to him, God can reach and God can change anyone. And I've talked to people who say, you don't know what I've done. You know, you don't know who I was in the past. God can't forgive me. Yes, he can. He shed his blood. He paid the sin debt. God can reach and God can change anyone. Verse 16. He says, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Immediately, I conferred not with flesh and blood. So God called him to service. Paul says, God called me. He had a plan for me. He wanted me to preach his gospel, to proclaim his gospel. God called Paul to a specific purpose. He didn't go looking for approval of others. He obeyed God. He met God on that Damascus road, or God met him on that Damascus road. And Jesus changed his life, called him to service, and Paul was changed. Look at verses 17 through 19. This is where we go really fast. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him fifteen days. But other of the apostles I saw none, save James the Lord's brother. So, Paul kind of gives us a history of what he did after he, after he met Christ, the timeline there. And he's making it clear that his gospel, his ministry was from Christ. He was called by Christ to serve him for a specific purpose. And that's where his authority resided, was from God, not from other people. And he was not seeking to please other people. 
he was doing what God had for him to do. So Paul didn't go right to Jerusalem. He went to Arabia. Then he went to Damascus. Then three years later, he finally went to Jerusalem. He saw Peter for 15 days. Then he saw James, the brother of Jesus. Then verse 20, Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God I lie not. Paul's gospel was in question. What Paul had been teaching was in question. And he keeps reiterating, he keeps pounding it in. What I'm teaching, what I am about is from God. And as I stand before God, I'm not lying to you. This is the truth. This is the true gospel. Can you see him trying to help these people that are just wandering, wondering what is going on, confusion from every side? Paul's trying to pour it in and say, this is the true gospel and it's directly from Christ so he gives those reassurance and the words of reassurance in verse 20 then verse 21 afterwards I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia verses 22 and 23 and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea which were in Christ but they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed. Could you imagine the nerves maybe working up as they heard that Paul was coming in and Paul was around? I mean, was it a trap? Was it a trick? This guy who persecuted the church, who's willing to kill Christians, he's here. I mean, I, I, I just wonder what that was like. There was so much persecution happening. The church was being scattered. And they hear this Paul has come in. But look at verse 24, the result of this. And they glorified God in me. Paul was something, very zealous religious man, but had the wrong focus, was serving the wrong things. Christ gets a hold of him and changes him. Paul is not concerned about pleasing other people. He is not concerned with what other people think about him. He's concerned with what God has for him to do, and he's faithful to that ministry. No matter who was chirping in the background, did you hear Paul's here? I wonder what he's going to do. You know, is he going to kill us? Didn't matter what was going on, Paul was faithful. And we see the result in verse 24, was they glorified God in me. A whole bunch of chaos, a whole bunch of uncertainty. But the result that we find here is God is glorified. Paul did what he did because he was a servant of Christ, because God called him to a purpose. Paul lived for God on purpose, not to bring glory to himself. That's so important because as believers, we can get trapped in that right there, bringing glory to ourselves. Look at, look at what I've done. Look at who I've served. Look at, you know, I didn't miss one service this, this month. You know, and, and I read my Bible every single day last year, which is wonderful. But it's not like awards that people should say, woohoo, you're an awesome Christian. And we have to be so careful that we're not living this Christian life so that other people will bring us glory. Our lives, our functioning, the way that God designed us to leads to glorifying the Father. 
And that is our purpose. That is why we were, why we were created. We were created for his pleasure to bring him glory. And what we find here is we find God being glorified. And that's what it's about, is bringing glory to God. Because he is absolutely worth all the glory that there is. So just in closing, I'd, I want us to consider, um, just to think about the thought of why do we do what we do? Why do we function the way we function? Is it because we want to bring God glory? Is it because God is, is worthy of anything that we can offer him? Not that we're trying to merit his favor or you know, earn special favor with God, but because he is worthy, because he deserves all glory and honor. And, you know, it just gets, it gets real when you stop and pause and you say, what am I doing? Who am I living for? Well, what is the purpose here? And the purpose is it's, it's all about God. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about him. Let's pray.